today I want to um, make welcome to the stage a good friend of ours here at the bridge. He is a senior pastor at Sandley Chapel Church. Um, outside of Sanford or in Sanford, North Carolina. They just recently went to two campuses. Uh, he is an awesome man. I got to hear him um, speak at the Acts 2 conference, and uh, I'm going to tell you guys, he is hilarious. He brings a great word, and I want you guys to give a big bridge welcome to Pastor Dale Sauls, if you would. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? If you're doing all right, say yes. If you're glad to be here, say amen. If you'd rather be here than the hospital, say hallelujah. If you'd rather be here than jail, say amen. If you've been in jail and not here, raise your hand. I'm just kidding, just kidding. All right, we're, uh, I'm glad to be here. My name is, uh, is Dale, and I am very honored to be here, and uh, I'm excited, and happy 4th of July, all right? And uh, thank you so much for coming out. For those of you who knew that Pastor Farrell won't going to be here, and you came anyway, you are people of God, all right? That's all I'm going to say. And for those of you who didn't know he was here, going to be gone, and you came, I'm so sorry, all right? I apologize for that. And uh, for those that are watching online, thank you so much for tuning in, and, and I appreciate you watching. I'm going to try to remember you're here, and I also want to let you know that I look 10 pounds heavier on camera than I do in real life, so maybe I'll meet you someday, and you'll, you'll be able to see that. All right, good. I'm glad to be here. I want you to know that I love your pastor. I will tell you he is a nut. If he had bird brains, he'd fly backwards, just letting you know. But I can tell you he's been a mentor of mine and a friend of mine. Uh, he, he, he's known me from growing up, and the Hardisons have been f dear family friends of ours. And uh, he has been an incredible uh, source of encouragement to me. He lets me call him and uh, text him and whine or get advice or whatever, and I appreciate it. So when he asked me uh, if, he, if I would speak for him to go on a sabbatical, at first I was hating on him for going on a sabbatical. And then I remembered that he probably needs a sabbatical because of me, so then I agreed to come, and I appreciate him so much, and I appreciate the bridge, because almost, uh, we have bootlegged so many ideas from you, I'm just letting you know, all right, we rip you off all the time, and we do not give you credit for it, so I needed to let you know that, and, uh, and, and, and a lot of what we do, we got the idea from you guys, and thank you so much for being so hospitable, and, and I have never, I've preached in a lot of places, I've been preaching for a long time, and uh, I've never spoke anywhere where uh, I have been treated uh, with more hospitality than I have here at the bridge. You guys have been a phenomenal. The staff has reached out. They've all, they brought me uh, M&Ms and all kinds of goodies this weekend. They, they even offered to write my sermon. I don't know if that's because they heard me preach before. I don't know why. But your, your staff here at the bridge rocks. Would you give your staff and Pastor Farrell and all of them, yeah, a hand. Awesome, 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 awesome. Now, uh, Pastor Farrell has heard me preach the message that I'm about to preach to you, so I need to let you know, uh, that. and he texted me last night and reiterated it, that this message really is from him, that he really wants you to know that this is his heart and this is exactly uh, what he wants uh, uh, for the bridge and what he wanted me to say to you today. And so uh, I want you to understand as you're listening to me that he has heard this and he specifically asked that I would share this with you because this ties in with what he believes that God is, um, is wanting 
the next chapter and where the bridge to be. Now, I, I will say this up front, too, as I'm going through this. I, I was raised in a Pentecostal background, okay? Everybody understand that, right? Now, I know some of you from all different backgrounds. Some of you not even sure you believe in Jesus. And that's cool. That's cool. You know, I'm not going to jump up here and pull out snakes and anything like that. As a matter of fact, if somebody pulls out a snake, I will hit octaves you didn't even know existed, okay? I'm just letting you know. That does not make me less of a man. It just makes me more of a woman. And that's two totally different things, okay? So, so you don't have to worry about that, but sometimes I get a little passionate whenever I'm talking. I get a little loud. I get a little excited, and I preach better if you'll say amen. All right, come on, somebody. Let's try it one time. Ready? <laughs> like three of you are already there. All right, let's try it again. Look at the person side and say, say it with him. All right, one, two, three. Amen. There you go. That's what I'm saying. If I say anything you think is good, I want you to say that, and I'll, I'll preach better. Now, we're talking about road trip. Anybody ever been on a road trip? How many of you like to get in the car and just go? Raise your hand good and high. I got some friends of mine. They'll go and they'll just stay gone for a month. I, I'm going to tell you something. That would be as close to hell as I want to get. You understand? To be, to, to, to be in a car trapped for a month and just be in a road. And I'll tell you why. It's because uh, my, my dad and, and mom, my dad was a, was a denominational representative growing up. And so he traveled a lot. He traveled. He would get a new car every three years, and he'd get rid of it with like 130,000 miles on it after three years. And uh, that's just in-state travels. And so uh, growing up, I had a severe, severe drug problem that uh, took me years to get over. Uh, my parents drugged me from church to church to church. You understand? My mom and dad thought if they could keep us in church, we wouldn't have time to sin. So I learned to sin at church <laughs> from some experts, might I add, you know, in some of them churches, right? Y'all been to that church. And so uh, undoubtedly, I, my, my, my spiritual roots started pretty early. I became a Christian around eight years old and began to grow in Christ. And there was one thing in life I won't going to be. Yes, anybody want to guess what it is? Preacher. That's right. I said that one time, and, and my campus pastor, he said, skinny? No, that was not it, all right? But anyway, there's one thing in life I wasn't going to be, and that was a preacher. And, 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 but, but I knew at age 13, God had called me to be a preacher. I knew there was nothing else I could do to be happy. There was nothing else I could do that would uh, make him happy with my life but to be a preacher. Uh, somebody said, Dale, why did you receive the call to preach so young? Because I was convinced my daddy wouldn't whoop a man of God. But he will. He'll tear your doghouse down, let all your little puppies out. You understand what I'm saying? He'd care less man of God or not, you know. But anyway, I, 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 was, I was called to preach at age of 13, and I, I told God then, I said, God, here's the deal. I will preach, but I will never apply for a job, and I'll never ask for a pulpit to preach in. And if you can make that happen, I'll be a preacher. Otherwise, I'm going to law school. I want to be a lawyer because I like to talk, and I think I'd have been good at it. You understand? But, but, but I said, but I will not say no. So I started, uh, I was doing good until I was a senior in high school, and my youth pastor said, something's different about you. Would you preach for us? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I promised God I would, and I preached one time, and I preached again, I preached again, I preached again. And by the time I was 19, I had a pretty full schedule. I preached a lot of places. I, I preached at Whitley Church when it was across the road on, at 70. Pastor Farrell asked me to come preach back then. 21 years later, he asked me to come back. So... <laughs> tells you I didn't really do a good job, but nevertheless, I had a full schedule, and I was preaching in a lot of places, and I was, I was preaching all over, and, and I remember one Sunday morning, I was uh, not having to preach anywhere, and, um, and, and I was not having to take a road trip, and I was very happy about that, and I was about 18, 19 years of age, and, and everybody knows that has an 18 or 19-year-old, they can sleep. Can anybody say amen? Amen. 
now that I've turned 27, my bones ache. I can't sleep that long. Somebody say amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? But in those days, I would sleep, and I could sleep about all day. And I remember one Sunday morning, my dad came into my, my room frantic, and he said, Dad, you got to get up. I said, why have I got to get up? He said, you got to preach. I said, I ain't got to preach today. I'm off today. I ain't got to go nowhere today. I, I'm, I'm good. I ain't preaching. He said, no, you got to preach. And I said, Daddy, I ain't got to preach. And I'm laying in bed. And finally, he, his voice turned into that, you know, man of God voice. Dale, get up. You got to preach. And I turned around and looked, and my daddy's glasses were in pieces in his hand. He said, my glasses have fallen apart. Now, my dad, uh, some, some of you know Don Sauls, you know, some of you know, if he, uh, he, he's, a, he's a great preacher. And he was standing there, and he had his glasses in his hand. He's blind in one eye and can't see real good at the other one. True story. So, so he's got his glasses in pieces. He says, you got to preach. He said, I, my glasses are broken. I can't see my notes. Now, if some of you know my dad, and my dad's a, a prince of a preacher. He's a way better preacher. Man, if he ever preached here, I'm telling you, he wouldn't have his shirt tail out. He'd have a tie on. He'd look good. And he'd be all right. He wouldn't be telling us kind of me. I'm sorry my shirt tail's out, but I put on a few pounds, and I can't get it in no more. So uh, don't laugh. It could happen to you. Don't be laughing, all right? But anyway, he's the prince of a preacher. And I said, what do you mean your glasses are broke? You can't. I mean, Daddy, you've been preaching since the Statue of Liberty was a little girl. I mean, come on. You, you remember when the Dead Sea was just a little bit sick. I mean, come on. You, you know that. You know this. By, I asked Daddy, he said, what's your first spiritual experience? He said, well, I was tending sheep, and I saw these angels. You know, I mean, it was just, you know, he's been around for a long time. I said, Daddy, you, you, know, you, you know the Bible. He said, I ain't never preached like that. I'm going to, I want you to go preach for me. I'm not going to do it because I've never preached right memory. I'm not going to start now. So, so here I go. I get up, and I'm nervous. I'm not, and see, here's the deal. He'd never been to this church. This church had been wanting to get the general overseer for a long time. They had mowed the grass, cleaned the property. They had the good toilet paper on the roll. I mean, they had the whole thing down, you know, they had it going on. I mean, they had it all. They were so excited. We got there. They met us out. They were so happy. And daddy got up and daddy didn't tell them what was going on. Daddy got there and, he, and I'm standing there. And I remember he stood up. They introduced the general superintendent, Don Sauls. And he stood up and he said, I'm not going to be preaching today. Uh, my glasses broke. And I've asked my son to come preach. You should have seen their face. When that snotty-nosed youngin stood there behind that big pulpit, and I stood there and looked at those, I mean, they were, so, they were like, he's all right. It ain't so bad. But they were so disappointed. Has anybody, have you ever been somebody's second choice? You ever been the wingman on somebody's date? Come on. Just disappointed. It's not who you expect. Some of you feeling that way right now. You came to hear Pharaoh, and there he is, this guy, you know, whatever. Uh, just, just second choice, just, just not quite there. Well, there was a guy in the Bible who knows exactly what you're talking about. His name was Moses. You may have heard of him. Been a lot of movies made out of him. Remember Charlton Heston? Remember that? You remember that? You remember? Yeah, Moses, he was in the Bible. And, and, and he talks a lot about Moses in Exodus. And, um, and, and one of the passages, let me tell you briefly about Moses. Moses was a Jewish boy who uh, escaped genocide on an entire generation. Uh, it was miraculous escape, miraculous save, that he was supposed to be dead. But God uh, saved his life and allowed him to be raised in Pharaoh, the Egyptian ruler's home even. And it was just an amazing turn of events and a miracle kind of story that he's even alive. But while Moses was being raised in luxury, the people, his people, the Jewish people, were still in slavery. And that was an incredible, anytime you have that uh, dominance of power, you always have uh, abuse of power. 
people who get in that kind of level of, of, of authority, they abuse it. And so like any slave situation, they're taking advantage of the slaves. The slaves are having to work harder than they should be working. Undoubtedly, there are uh, some beatings going on. There's some abuse. There's some neglect. There's probably some sexual misconduct that is going on. They're pawing at their daughters. and I mean, just terrible, terrible, terrible situation. Well, finally, Moses came of age, and he just was outraged by the injustice that was happening for his people. So he decided to do something, and he did something uh, on his own, and he just he killed a man. And, and because of that, he had to flee. He had to get out of the way. He had to, he had to flee the country. He had to get out and, and move, and, uh, and, and so he did. And while he was gone, he, just, he was very discouraged because if you ever had a failure, you know what I'm talking about. You're pretty discouraged. You feel pretty low. And, and so he's tending sheep. He's just tending sheep. He's minding his own business. He's done, he's done with it. Meanwhile, while he's tending sheep, the people of, of, of Israel are still under Egyptian slavery, and they've got it pretty rough. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. One day, everything changes. Here's what the Bible says. You should have it on your outline, and you can follow along. You can also watch it on the screen. Here we go. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Years pass, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help. And their, let's read this last part, the rest of that sentence out loud on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. And their cry rose up to God. Now, wouldn't that be good to know your cry rose up to God? Somebody say amen if that would be good. Verse 24, God heard their groaning. And he remembered. He heard. Say God heard. God heard. Wouldn't you like to know God hears you? He heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew, ready, read out loud, one, two, three. It was time to act. Now, I don't think everybody read. Some of you guys don't think it's cool to read in church, but I'm telling you, women think it's sexy when you read Bible verses in church. I just thought I'd say that. So ready? And knew, one, two, three. It was time to act. God looked down. You know, after all these years, it must have been the greatest day in the nation of Israel. They had been raised in slavery. They had been crying and praying and preaching out to God. God, deliver us. God, help us. God, come down and do something. And God looked down and said, it is time to act. Now, how many of you have had a prayer you've prayed over and over and over to God? Hold your hand up good and high. And how many of you would like to know that at some point, maybe today, God says, it is time to act? How many of you would like that? Hold your hand up. Would that be a great day in your life? Whenever you say, whenever you knew God's going to move and he's going to heal that cancer. God's going to come in and he's going to save that husband. God's going to come in and, and help that child. It would be an awesome, awesome, let me tell you about God. God is never late. Can anybody say amen to that? But let me tell you something else you might not know about God. God is rarely early. Can anybody say amen to that? He just don't do that. So whenever you get the word, it is time to act. It must have been a celebration in the nation of Israel. If they had heard that, I bet you, I mean, I bet you the Egyptian Argus read, you know, the Egyptians, the, the Egyptian Argus read. The Israelites believed that their God finally woke up. <laughs> but now down in the Jerusalem hood, the slave town, Jason. Buddy, they are having a party rolling up in the hood. You know what I'm saying? They're saying, DJ, drop the beat. 
Because, see, poor people ain't got no sound system. You know what I'm saying? You know? Child of the 80s and 90s. I, I've been, I ain't been, emotionally, I've not been the same since the fat boys broke up because that was my calling in life. And uh, some of you like, who's the fat boys? Y'all need to grow up and listen to real music for crying out loud in Jesus' name. <clears throat> they dropping the beat, baby. They done got the sprinkler going on out there, you know, the cabbage patch. You know what I mean? They got it going, baby. They ropping it. I mean, the rabbis are running around saying, I told y'all, I told y'all not to give up on God. Y'all thought God won't hear and I cry. I told y'all to keep pressing in. I told y'all to keep praying. God ain't in it. He ain't late. He's rarely early, but God ain't late. He's going to show up. Old men, old Jewish men, they combing their beards, got their cane out, going with the beat. You know what I'm saying? They got their hair going. They're saying, you know what? Three days ago, I was praying God would take me home so I wouldn't have to watch my granddaughters get pawed at no more. Three days ago, I was praying I wouldn't have to watch my grandson get beat. I was praying we wouldn't have to make brick without straw. But now I'm glad God didn't take me home because now I get to see the coming of the Lord. He has heard my cry. He has seen my affliction. He has remembered the promises he made. And he's decided it is time to act. The young people running door to door. Y'all get your suitcases out. Dust them off. We're going to take a road trip. We ain't going to be slaves no longer. We ain't going to have to be under their calling no more. It's going to be all better now. You better count on it. And I'm telling you, you see, the reason it's so exciting is because the Jewish people knew their God. Now, if you don't know your God, that ain't no good news. If your God's all crippled and got arthritis and I'm going to do something, then that ain't no good news. But see, they knew their God. They knew their God was the God who created the world. He took a handful of nothing and threw it into nowhere and called it a world and took from the dust and made mankind. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they knew that when he gets here, it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. They knew. They knew their God. And they knew, I bet they're taking bets over there in the Jay side. How y'all think he's going to come? I think he's going to come on a white horse. I think he's going to come with a lightning bolt in his hand. I think he's going to come and he's going to, you know, be a mighty warrior. They're taking bets. Now, while they throwing the party over there, dropping the beat, you know, they're going doing all that. God's doing something else. God goes and he finds Moses tending sheep somewhere. And, and, and here he appears to him in a burning bush, and here's what he said. It's on your outline. It's on the screen. Exodus 3, 7 through 10. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen, say seen, seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard, say heard, heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. And Moses is saying, I'm glad you did, God. I wish you'd seen it a long time ago. I tried to get you to see it, but you wouldn't pay attention. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. God said, Moses said, I'm, I'm thrilled, God. I'm thrilled. I'm glad you are. I, I wanted you to do that 40 years ago. Verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them. Well, praise the Lord. I was willing to do it 40 years ago. I'm glad you finally decided to do something. From the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of, the, of Egypt into the, their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Bridgeites, Prezesites, Sanleiites, Hittites, Termites, Jebusites. I got on a roll there. I'm sorry about that. Now live. Look! Exclamation point. God talking. Look! 
The cry of the people of Israel reached me. Moses says, I'm grateful. Praise the Lord. I'm glad it has. I've been wanting you to do that. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. I'm glad. Moses is like, I'm glad. Then verse 10, now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Road trip. Imagine how Moses, come here Moses, come here Moses. And Moses is, you know, what what you calling me for? What do you want with me? You know, God God says, I've seen, I've decided it's time to act. And I've decided it's time to come down. I've decided it's time to end this. It's been going on way too long. And Moses is like, hey, man, I agree. Come here, Moses. And he's like, what you you calling me for? I'm not, why why you want me to go, Moses? And God says, because I want you to go for me. You're going to be my representative. Now, I bet if on the J side... If they, if the, those people in the hood that's out there doing the, you know, like, like, you know, the, the sprinkler, if they out there and they heard that thing and they heard God say, come here, Moses, I bet the DJ, the music would have come to a screeching halt. They'd like, whoa, 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 hold up just a second. What you calling Moses for? Well, that's who I'm going to see. No, hold up now, God. Whoa, hold up now. Listen, we ain't called for no Moses. When we were praying, we ain't called for Moses. I'm telling you, we know Moses. He left here 40 years ago in speed. You know what I'm saying? He took a road trip after he killed somebody. We don't want no Moses. The thing we're talking about, it ain't on no Moses level. The thing we're talking about is bigger than Moses. We don't need no second streamers coming in. You understand? This is, this is, this is 30 seconds to go, and we're down three points. You don't put Michael Jordan on the bench. You bring Michael Jordan in. We don't need a second streamer. We don't need Moses. We need God because our problem is God-sized. Our problem ain't no Moses-sized problem. The problem we got is bigger than human hands. The problem we got is bigger than a person's authority. The problem we got is bigger than people can manage. The problem we got is going to take a miracle from God. The only way we're going to be able to do this is God. And God says, I know. I heard you. I've heard you cry. I've seen your affliction. I've, just, I've agreed with you. It's time to act. Come here, Moses. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. And don't y'all tell God I said this, okay? Some of you are going to get that later on. In my judgment, this was a very poor substitute for God. In fact, I'm going to go a step further and just tell you my judgment, okay? Now, y'all be glad I ain't God. The, for man to be representing God and for God to trust to mankind the eternal gospel, the power of God to save people, is in the gospel, for him to trust us, mankind, with that, I think that was bad judgment on God's part. I'm just being straight up with y'all. Now, don't judge me, okay? Don't y'all judge me. Because y'all know y'all, y'all thought God made bad decisions anyway. You know, right? Come on. Somebody thought God should have done something different than he did, right? But we all think God, he ain't, he's God and we're not. I honestly believe that God had better judge, God, God had better options than to trust mankind with the gospel and for to be his representative. I mean, seriously, come on. This band did awesome today, but what if every Sunday morning the birds just started singing praise and worship? Wouldn't that be awesome? 
The Bible says at one verse that the trees of the field clapped their hands. Wouldn't it be awesome if all the trees just every Sunday morning started speaking and started going and said, everybody gather around, we're about to show the gospel. What if, the, what if my, I have five horses, what if every Sunday morning they would rear up in the pasture on their hind legs and say, everybody come around, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus. Now come on, buddy. Now once you change your britches, you'll step in from messing your britches. You'd get saved, wouldn't you? Come on, somebody. You'd get saved with that, wouldn't you? You say, Dad, that's being silly. God can't speak to no animal. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. There was a verse in the Bible where there was a guy named Balaam riding a donkey, and God spoke through his donkey. You say, well, that was in the Old Testament. God can't do that today. Don't you tell me. I've been to this church before, and I heard Pastor Jared preach. God spoke through him. I think God had way better options than to entrust in mankind, to entrust in mankind. Yet, yet he said, I'm sending Moses. Man, the, 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 the part of his creation, God's creation, that has rebelled against him more than any other part. Now, we're, we've rebelled against God. We've cursed God. We've done every. We've rebelled against him more than any other part of his creation. And he said, in your authority, in your hands, is the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm sending you you as my representative now I'm telling you that just I mean that that is that's God's choice but that's the way he did I don't know that why he did it but that's the reason he did it here's the bottom line is that God's answers people now I'm telling you that is sad that is sad at this time in history what God plans to do for man is through man did you hear me what God plans to do for, during this dispensation of time, what God plans to do for man is through man. And God is going to work through people, we who are so like God in so many ways. So here you go. We are God's first string. This is what goes in your blank. Ready? I am God's answer. I am God's answer. Just write that down. I am God's answer. Say that with me. I am God's answer. A little louder. I am God's answer. A little louder. Come on. I am God's Look at the person beside of you. Say, I am God's answer. Go ahead and say that right now. Now look back at him and say, now that's sad. I mean, really, it's sad, ain't it? I'm telling you, to know that, I'm telling you, it humbles me. I don't know if y'all heard about it, but that was a World Cup. Anybody in World Cup fans watching the World Cup? Like two of you. Yeah, that's good. Uh, what, what if, what if, I, I, it would be like to know that I'm God's answer would be like the USA calling me and say, hey, Dale, we need you, man. We need you right out here on the soccer field. I'd be like, poor USA. You know why? Because I'm so out of shape. I'm so unfit. That's the way I feel every time I stand up to preach. I wish the people of Stanley Chapel and Light Springs Church, our other campus, I wish they had a better option. I look at myself every week and think, oh, poor Stanley Chapel. You know, poor Light Springs Church. I wish they had something better to offer than me. I don't know why God chose to do it that way, but I am God's answer. God says, what I plan to do in the world, the souls I plan to reach, the hungry I plan to feed, the people I plan to save, I'm going to do it through mankind. And so whenever I get on my knees and I say, God, please help the hungry children. Don't let there be any more hungry children. God says, I heard you. Now get off your knees and get up and feed them. Whenever I get on my knees and say, God, please save my family members. I want you to make sure they get saved. God said, I heard you. I heard you to get up and go serve them and do something for them. God, I want you to do something in my city. You got the drug problem. And I'm praying. God says, I heard you. Now get up and go do something. 
Because faith without works is dead. I am God's answer. You are God's answer. To think that God's going to do something in the world without the redeemed, without the church of God, to think that God's going to do something for mankind without the church of Jesus Christ, then my friend, you better read your Bible more. Because you know what I think is going on right now in our society is God has heard people's cry. He has seen people's affliction. He has remembered his promises. But the church as a whole, the Christians, haven't. And we won't go. God's sending us and we won't go. We are not burdened by what's happening around us. We're not seeing people that are hurting around us. We're not seeing what he wants to do and how he wants to use us. People always got good intentions, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I know church people that make church just about themselves. It's all about what I'm going to get from the church and what I'm going to consume and make sure the music's like I want it and make sure the gifts are like I want it and make sure the issue, the, everything, the bathrooms are like I want it. And they never transition from being a consumer to being a contributor. They never recognize the fact they are God's answer for the world. And they want to one day. One day I'm going to start tithing. One day I'm going to start serving. I'm aiming to do that one day, but right now I just can't do that. My kids are small. Right now I just can't do that because of whatever reason. I'm aiming to do that one day. Let me tell you what I've learned. I used to be a hunter. And let me tell you what I've learned about hunting. Is you do have to aim. Aim's important. But let me tell you how to come home hungry. Is never pull the trigger. Some people do that in the Christian life. They say, I'm aiming. You know, here's what they're like. They say, ready, aim. Aim, 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 aim. You got to pull the trigger for crying out loud. I know some people in my church, I've nicknamed them. Yeah, a squirrel. You ever, you ever had a squirrel when you're driving down the road? You ever seen a squirrel jump out in front of your car? And it's like they're out there in the middle of the road and they turn around and they're like, oh, snap, there's a car. We got to get out of here. And they can't make up their mind. I'm like, homeboy, you better get out of the road. You better get creamed, you understand? You better decide left or right because if you keep doing that, you're going to get creamed. I know some Christians that are right now. I call them squirrel. Come here, squirrel. You're aiming. You ain't ever doing nothing. And God's called you. God sent you. But you ain't doing it. Moses was just like you. He was in good, you in good company. Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses protested to God. You ever protested to God? Don't act holy. The holy people don't come to the bridge, okay? Just don't act holy, all right? Y'all know y'all protested. Moses protested to God. He says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He started arguing with God. Can you believe that? Can you believe people would actually argue with God? <laughs> Can you believe there are people who know what God wants them to do? And they just don't do it. <laughs> I, I, know, I, I know people who know God wants them to be a tither, but they just won't tithe. I, none of them come to church here. But I'm just saying. I know people who know God wants them to serve, but they just won't serve. And they know God wants them to do it. They know, but they're looking at God saying no. That's, I just protested. Just, I ain't doing it. I know what your will is, God, but no, I ain't doing it. I'm telling you. And that's exactly where Moses, what Moses said, I ain't doing it, God. 
I'm just not going to, I mean, I'm, and, and he started coming up with excuses, you know, like people do when it comes to money or whatever, you know, I ain't got time, and I ain't, I'm a kids or small, he started doing the same thing, he said, you know what, God, I can't do this because I don't even know your name, if you tell me your name, I could probably do it, but I can't even do it because I don't know your name, God said, here's my name, you tell him I am sent you, not that I was, not I will be, but the I am, Moses said, okay. And then he said, well, how about it? They ain't going to believe me because they know who I am. They ain't going to trust me. And they ain't, I, I need something to be able to get credibility. I ain't got no credibility. People ain't going to believe me because they know who I used to be. They know I used to be this kind of person. They can't, they, I can't do nothing for you because I don't have any credibility. God says, how about that stick? Throw it down. And whenever it turns into a snake, they're going to run like little girls and hit octaves and they'll know you came from God. Okay, I added a little girl thing into octaves. But anyway, you get the point. Then he said, okay, well, God, I tell you why, I can't do it because you know why? I st- 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 stutter real bad. And God says, well, I'll give you a mouthpiece, Aaron. And, and here, here's, where's where it finally got to, ready? Exodus 4, 13 through uh, 14. So, so we need to listen. This is the word of the Lord for somebody here. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. You ever said that? Then the Lord became what? Angry. With Moses. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Does that bother anybody here other than me? Does it bother you to know that God could potentially be getting angry? I'm gonna be straight up with you, and I don't I don't know very many of you here, and you don't know me, but I you know I know a lot of Christians. I honestly believe that there's a whole lot of Christians, at least in my church, that are borderline getting God angry. Because they know what God wants them to do, and they're just refusing to do it. And I've got a feeling that's kind of frustrating to God. Wouldn't you think so? They, they, their knowledge level's here, and their obedience level's here, and they're making no attempts to close the gap between their knowledge level and their obedience level. And i got a feeling God ain't, God ain't too happy about that. And God's saying, hey, Moses, don't you mess with me. Listen, there, don't you mess with me. There's a, there's, a, there's a time element involved. They are crying right now. They have been reaching out to me right now. They are in pain right now. I ain't got time for you to get over all your mess. You need to get over yourself and go as my witness. Because these people have been reaching out to me, and I have decided it is time to act. You decided before it was time to act, and it won't my time. Now I'm telling you it is my time to act, and they're hungry right now. They're in bondage right now. They're burdened right now. They're unsaved right now. They need a home right now. These people need the church now. He said, don't, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. Don't get in my way because I have heard their cry. And if you continue to walk right by those that need you and you do absolutely nothing about it, if you continue to walk right by the homeless and do nothing about it, if you continue to walk by the unsaved and do nothing about it, if you keep eating at that restaurant and never ask that waiter or waitress if they go to church or if they're a Christian and do nothing about it, then I'm telling you, you better get out of my way. Because I've heard their cry, and I have seen their affliction, and I've decided it's time to act, and I'm sending you the church. I'm sending you, Moses, to do so. I chose you. This is happening all around you. I have decided to do it through you. I could have said, hey, to all those in bondage, be delivered, but that's not my way. I could have said to all those homeless, here, have a home. That's not my way. 
I could have said to all the hungry, here, have food, have bread. But that's not my way. I have saved so the saved may save. I have blessed so the blessed may bless. I have healed so the healed may heal. I have served so the served may serve. I have de- delivered so the delivered may deliver. I chose you to go for me. Now, he says, I did not fill your pockets full of money. So that you could just buy a new car every three years. I didn't just give you that raise so you can get new, one new toy after the other. In fact, when I blessed you, I wasn't even thinking about you. I was thinking I could trust you to get some of my resources to people that needed it. Here's what I've learned about God. I've learned it takes a steady hand to hold a full cup. And God will fill your cup when he knows you got a steady hand. Here's what I've learned about God. It goes in your blank. This is the principle. Ready? God will send to you what he can get through you. Anybody say amen to that? His goal is not to make you a channel of blessing. I mean, his goal is to make you a channel of blessing, not a reservoir of blessing. Because God never intended. See, you've been praying every week, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. He already has it's now time for you to be faithful with the blessings he's given you you understand so here's what I want to say you are God's answer say that with me you are God look at the person beside of you say you are God's answer go ahead and say that right now say you are God's answer because here's what I want you to know I don't know if you know this or not, but right now within a 20-mile radius of where we are sitting, if statistics are right, and I'm sure they are, right now there's an alcoholic waking up and his head's busting and all he can think about is the next drink. You see, well, it's because it's July 4th weekend. Nah, you see, Monday he's going to do the same thing and he's going to worry about whether or not he's going to get to work on time Tuesday morning and it's like he's held captive by that. And he hates his lifestyle. He's lost his marriage. He's lost his family. Right now, in a 20-mile radius of where we're sitting right now, there's a child who last night, her mom and dad both were inebriated and passed out. And every morning she wakes up wondering if mom and daddy's going to wake up the next day. Right now, in a 20-mile radius of where we're sitting, there's a kid who gets serenaded to sleep every night by mom and daddy fussing and arguing and she don't know if they're going to make it or if they're going to divorce. Right now, in a 20-mile radius of where you're sitting right now, there's a single mom who feels overwhelmed and all alone. She's got a deadbeat, a deadbeat dad is the father of her children. And financially, she don't know if she can make it. These kids are undisciplined because she don't know how to discipline them. She's doing the best she can, and she's thinking of escaping. She's crying out. Right now, in a 20-mile radius of where we are sitting, there's a teenager who, on this 4th of July weekend, lost her innocence, lost his innocence. And they feel about that high and feel very unforgiven. Right now, right now, in a 20-mile radius of where we're sitting right now, there is a successful businessman who's thinking very seriously about ending it all.
because he's so discouraged. Right now, in a 20-mile radius of where I'm sitting, we're standing right now, there is a lady who just got her husband's phone and found out he's been having an affair and her world is crumbling. Right now, in a 20-mile radius, there's a man whose wife just found his phone and he feels like he's gotten busted. Right now, in a 20-mile radius of where we're sitting, you got a coworker who's in a depression and eating pills, self-medicating to try to get past it. What's going to happen? What's going to happen for them? The only thing's going to happen is when we realize we are God's answer. They're crying out right now. They're praying for us right now. They're asking God to send us right now. And we're their last-ditch effort. And God says, I heard them. I saw them. I know what's happening. I want you to go help that co-worker. I want you to go help your neighbor. I want you to go do something for me. Now, uh, you, you know what's going to happen. So when you, here, here's the way this is going to work. I thank God for Moses, but I thank God for somebody here who's going to realize you're not just some little old person in a little old town and nobody, but you don't have any dynamic gifts to sing or preach or any. But you're going to realize this morning you are God's answer. Because he, here's how this is going to work. Let me tell you how this is going to work in case you hadn't read the whole book. God's going to work till he gets his answer in every corner. He's going to have nurses that are his answer. He's going to have doctors that are his answer. He's going to have lawyers that are his answers. He's going to have convenience store workers that are his answers. He's going to have teachers that are his answers. He's going to have stay-at-home moms that are his answers. He's going to have people from every walk of life as his answer. And when he gets them in every corner of the world, what he's going to do is he's going to plant one foot on time and one foot on eternity. And he's going to say, Gabriel, blow it out horn and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we're going to go up and meet him in the air and let me tell you let me tell you what you're not going to say. You're not going to say, God, I saw you. You blessed me every week. I stayed right there and worshipped you. And I, No, God's going to say, you failed me if that's all you did. He's going to say, I saw you. I saw you witnessing to that waitress. I saw you paying those tithes and giving. I saw you serving in the church and serving in the community. I saw you not walking by co-workers whenever they're down. I saw you. You were, you were a teacher, but you were clever. You were really an ambassador of God disguised as a teacher. You were a doctor, but you were an ambassador of God disguised as a doctor. You know what you were? You were my answer. Come here, girl. Come here, boy. Well done my good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that one day? I do. I want to hear with all my heart, well done, good and faithful servant. So, when you walk by the naked and that's all you do, you failed God. When you walk by the homeless and that's all you do, you failed God. When you walk by unbelievers and that's all you do, you failed God. So you know what I want you to do? I want you to do what I did. When we got this at our church, we grew by something like 200% in less than 12 months. About 150 to 200% in about a year and a half, a year to two years. You know why? Because we just woke up one day and realized if God's going to do anything in our city, he's going to do it through us. We're his answer. 
and there's somebody praying for us. You need to do that too. You know what I did? I got an altar and I repented and I asked God to forgive me and I changed. I want you to do that. I want you to realize you're not just saved. You are God's answer. Does that make sense to anybody? Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me? Father, right now, for every person who may not have thought that, they came in here thinking that they were just a nobody from nowhere. I ask you, Lord, right now to do something that preachers can't do and songs can't do, but only you can do. And use this for your glory. And let us realize, the church of Jesus Christ, we are God's answer. Would you just say right now out loud, say, God, I will be your answer. Ready? One, two, three. God, I will be your answer. One more time. Say it out loud. God, I will be your answer. In Jesus' name, amen.